Good morning, Jerry. Oh, good morning, John. Wow, hey, hey. day. Mm. Yeah. It is a wonderful day. Yeah. So, hey, hey, for those of you who just got here and you've never been here before, this is The Bro Show. I'm Jerry. And I'm John. Yeah. And uh, we talk about four things. One of them is a whale story, because this is a season of the whale. We talk about whales. Second thing is a word. It's a word that we found that we thought was interesting or one that kind of leads into a topic we talk about. And then we talk about a topic. We call that two takes. We both talk our opinions on an issue or a film or a book or one thing or another, an event. And lastly, we have two groaners. Dad jokes. Cornball jokes. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, you wearing anything above the belt? Uh, Yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, I am wearing a T-shirt. That has mm. long sleeves and has Ooh. a whale on the front. Ah, oh, such that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I'm, I got my uh, season of the bear shirt on. Oh, uh, I'm wearing it in honor of there's some bears out in Tahoe. They're called Hanks the Tanks, 500 pound bears who have decided that their foraging area consists of the South Tahoe, so they've broken into 35, 40 homes. And they, really. Uh, Oh yeah, they're 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 friendly bears. Uh, they're they're yogi type bears, but they are they do cr- create a little bit of havoc. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's all. It's a side wow. story. That's the reason I'm wearing them in honor of those wonderful bears because so far they decided we're going to be nice to them. We're going to try to herd them up, get them where they don't belong, but we're not going to anyway injure, maim, uh, destroy these wonderful animals. Good news. Glad to hear it. Wow, good story. <laughs> Okay, great show, John. Talk to you next week. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we don't have to even do any rehearsing then for this next week because we already have a show. No, already have a show. Yeah, well, I'll just cut this out and paste it into there. How's that? Oh, dear. I think you can yeah. just about do whatever you want with what I say. Mm, i got to be careful. Mm, mm, careful what you say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so. Okay. I get uh, the point. I get the point. we got a sponsor. Hey, yes, we do. We have a sponsor, Save the Whales. Save the Whales is a nonprofit organization created by uh, Maris uh, Sidenstacker back in 1977. Uh, it was the uh, the revenue that they got together to start this was uh, through the sale of T-shirts, which are near and dear to our hearts. So what do they do? They uh, do mostly education, uh, particularly of younger people in school creating school programs, but when the occasion arises, they're ready to, to come to the rescue when, a, when whales need help, and they do that partic- particularly in the Pacific area. And so what we like to emphasize and the way that you can help is by getting their wonderful T-shirt, and perhaps you can explain how that, that can happen. This happens by looking at our show notes and clicking a link that says buy a T-shirt you buy t- or make a donation. You can do either great organization Great T-shirts, and uh, I'm wearing one, and I got to tell you, it's pretty damn cool. That's it. Wow. So we've got a whale of a story uh, to start the show. Um, we do. A different this, kind of whale. It, yeah, a different kind of whale. What's interesting, I think what attracted us, and particularly not us, but uh, the producer to this, this story, was mm. the graphics. 
The whale the graphic was incredible. I mean, it was. You got to you. It, it, this could be an ad for uh for a whitening, a teeth whitening, and yeah, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, how good the smile on, on this whale is. The yeah. name of this this uh, product, which is uh, featured, is called Unusual Whales, and what it is. It represents a uh, a piece of software that is being pitched, marketed, whereby you can keep track of uh, unusual activity as it relates to stock options. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, let's, if you think about insider trading, which means that somebody gets a little information before the public does and uses that to their advantage so that they can buy stock or stock options and then be in a position to make a killing on the market, that's a number one no-no. Insiders mm. done by people that are like on the board of directors, et cetera. But what yeah. this organization has done is they said, look, that information is out there. Let's cultivate it so it's real time. We can produce a product that has an enormous number of different uh, ways of analyzing it, et cetera, and giving it out in the way of alerts to uh, people that invest in stocks, particularly uh, the professionals, the, the guys who do it. But the key to understand, though, is that this is just a small piece of information. Now, where it gets interesting for us, I think, yeah. is the fact that they, are, they realize that there's another group that is close to insiders, but not quite insiders. And whether they're, what they're doing is ethical or not could be debated. And this is the mm. group of people we're talking about are the people in Congress. And what they found through the use of this software is that uh, quite often, you know, legislature, uh, just think about if somebody did a bill that would favor yeah. a certain industry or a certain company. Well, guess what? They would see that in the making as the bill is being cultivated, and sure enough, they could dive in. They have found that the Congress and through the looking at the activities of individual congressmen or congresspeople, that yeah. uh, that this is happening. Now, I don't want to point any fingers out, but a certain speaker of the House seems to have a very active um, mm. figure into this sort of thing. Mm. But let's not yeah. get into the deets and, and don't let's let's not be a finger yeah. pointer. I wouldn't like I no. don't want to be that. No. So, uh, again, the whale is it, I'm sure it'll, uh, it'll appear in our photo bomb. Um, yeah. And so it as will. a result, uh, that is our, our story. It, I, we just felt we needed after last week. And talking about a product that was below the belt, uh, oh. with respect to whales, that we maybe take a little bit higher and more of a of an of a intellectual pro, uh, product there. That, that yeah. we, uh, so we've gone all the way from the bottom to the top. So that's well, a story. And John, what, what does it have to do with whales? Like, I mean, is that a, that's a class of investor, isn't it? A whale? There's, there's a big I, I bunch could, of money I around. Anything? I, I couldn't find that myself. I just have a yeah. feeling that whales typically. If you see a whale, you, it, it, whales typically are, are more social and they're in groups. And if you see a whale, uh, unusual whale would be one that's kind of standing or a little bit different. So I think it's looking for abnormal situations. Uh, uh, that's all. Abnormal. Listen, this is a stretch. I am I'm connecting dots that are pretty far apart here. I did my pretty, research and came up. Yeah. I didn't come up with anything with respect to that. So I have heard the term in, in Silicon Valley. That's where it's okay. a, a class. It's a kind of investor, someone who can throw a lot of money at a problem or throw okay. a lot of money into a company. You know, it's not an angel investor. It's something between angel and first round, uh, you know, yeah. venture capital, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Boring. All right. So, yeah, let's let's have a word. What do you say?
say we got a word. Hey, we got listen, a word. We, we got, got a word. A word. We have got oh, a word. Wow, I can't believe it. it is so good. The word we have for this today is consigliere. Consigliere, right. which is That's a right. person. Let's spell it first. C O N S I G L I E R E. Consigliere, and it's a person who serves as an advisor, could be a lawyer, a counselor, to the leader of a criminal organization. So I guess the best example, which is the which is the link to our our topic, which is God the Godfather, is the would be Tom Hagen of Irish German heritage is the first non Sicilian to hold the title of consigliere in the mafia, the New York mafia, a fact that causes the other families. Uh, the Corleone uh, uh, to refer to the Corleone family as the Irish gang. This is, yeah. comes from the uh, novel The uh, Godfather that was written by Mario Puzo. So, uh, one, uh, yeah, I got two things for you here. I'm ready. Number one, there's two pronunciations of this word. One is the Americanized version or the Europeanized version, and, and the other is the Italian version or the Sicilian version. Okay, you ready? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I looked this up. I looked this up. I got the sound file I, and everything. You only found two? I found four. Then I added oh. my fifth. Really? <laughs> wow. Well, There's no sibling rivalry here, by the way. None whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you are sick. Okay, so that's that's all I had to say. Oh, that's where you're going to be. Please, continue on. Okay. It's, I'm going to try this now. I, I don't say it every day, so it's not easy. Are you ready? It's consigliere. I can't. No you don't pronounce the G. Yeah. Yeah, consigliere. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, so, that's yeah, that's I, Italian. That's it. That's all. That's that's now, there's one I more did. thing. What? what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, the thing is, with me is that, oh. hey, I, what I did is I picked, I, I was lucky enough to come up with a few more and that that comes to my advantage because that way I can pick the one I have the best chance of it of pronouncing correctly. The other thing is that if you say that I pronounce it incorrectly, I can say, well, that was the, you know, it, it's more than one version. So I've got a, this is my fallback position. It's, I do this out of uh, just lack of confidence with respect to my speech keeping ability. So mm. just to let you know that you are mm. right now the pronunciation king, you reside at the top of this, uh, of this heap. Okay. It is a heap, a heap of something. Yeah, it's a heap of something. It's a, and it's steaming. It's steaming, too. It's not warm. It's a little bit more than that. I had, actually, there was another word that was used in the movie that I have heard, you know, maybe 20 times. I've watched this movie a lot. Read the book. Bring a few it on. Times. It's, uh, it's at the point, it's something that Sonny says uh, regarding Pauly. And uh, the word is, he says, uh, I want I want you to take care of that guy first thing. That stunts, he said. Uh, mm-hmm. Read it out, pop. So I did. What's a stunts? I had no idea. You know, it's a Sicilian word that means turd. <laughs> okay. I see. I was I was referring oh, to it dear. earlier with the steam. There it is. There it is. We got okay, it. Out well, there. I thought you were going to talk about a word that we have used. As a one of our words in a previous show that relates to this movie, and it's a garrote. That's a garrote. G A R R O T E, which is a cord which has handles on both ends of it, 
that then a person who wants to act as an assassin will then wrap it around a person's neck and then just pull real hard. It is used twice during the movie. So I kind of thought we'd throw that one in there, too. It's piano wire, for the, for the record. That's good. It works yeah. best, probably. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't check the suppliers to see exactly which is the best. Mm. Good, 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 good right, research. Good some. research. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, let's talk about hey, the real anniversary. Deal? Yeah, of the Godfather. Oh, dear. So where do we start? Where do we begin? Let's just start with some, some of the basic facts. Where our yeah. topic today, today is The Godfather, a movie made in 1972. Why are we talking about it now? Because the movie was not only in 1972, it was in March of 72, which is it approaching its 50th anniversary of its uh, mm. initial release. Now, everybody, I wouldn't say everybody, but just for those who've been living in a cave for the last 50 years, we'll give a few little details about the movie. It's a, it's, it's a movie uh, basically about a family, a family, the Corleone family, and that is in the industry called uh, organized crime in the city yep. of New York, setting of between 1945 and 1955. And it deals with – this is a family movie, as you pointed out, and I think yeah, it's very important for us to understand – that it's within this uh, this uh, industry that we learn about how a family, considered probably the best of the five families in terms of the way they conduct themselves, uh, that everybody looks to them. And it's led by the Don, Don Corleone, the godfather, mm. played by Marlon Brando. Mm. But the movie kind of morphs pretty quickly into more the development of the youngest son, uh, Michael Corleone. Michael. Played mm. by Al Pacino, and Al Pacino starts out as being sort of the the kid who's not going to get involved in the family business, but before you know it, because of a, a variety of unfortunate circumstances, is thrown into the position of becoming the Don by the end of the movie. So that's it. It's uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it considered when it comes to ranking American Film Institute. As we speak, ranks at number two only to Orson Welles' movie Citizen Kane. Uh, if you look at IMDb, it's ranked second only to Shawshank and Doug Redemption. So this is a movie that has Ooh. met the test of time in terms of its it, where it fits into the history of filmmaking. Um, so yeah. that's a little bit about the details. But I think the story lies in the making of the movie because everybody kind of knows the movie itself. And it's just a it's just a bunch of circumstances seem to come together at the right time for this movie to even be made because I don't think it could be made today. Uh, no, I, I, I agree we, with you totally, totally. So, what are those circumstances that started? Well, this is a 1972 film release, but back in 1967, a fellow by the name of Mario Puzo had put together a 60-page manuscript which got into the hands of the Paramount powers to be. And one of them said, hey, this could make, it could be a pretty good movie. Why don't we try to pitch a deal to see if we can get at least the option, buy the option to make a film for it. So they, they were able to do that uh, for a very cheap price because Mario Puzo needed money. He yeah. needed money badly because he had a gambling habit. So mm. they, for 12500 bucks, they bought the option and said, by the way, we'll kick in another 80000 if we happen to make the film. So they got away with murder with respect to uh, getting a price on this as we look back on it. Yeah. But Puzo at this point has not even 
has not even made the, the, the book. He's not completed the book yet. Ooh. So what happens, which is so important, is that the book is – he completes the book. And the book ends up going on the New York Times bestseller list for an enormous amount of time as it hits, it hits the book market back in 1969. So all of a sudden, they've, um, Paramount Pictures, which is a, is a movie studio that is a need, a severe need of a money maker because they have put some real dogs out there. My favorite would be Paint Your Wagon, where they felt that Clint Eastwood could make a musical. In other words, had singing ability. <laughs> where did they go wrong with that? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's a story about each element of this movie. Uh, you could take a look at the casting, and, and, and that's all pretty well gone through with respect to Brando getting the role as yeah, Don. Everybody knows uh, that. And, yeah. and everybody, you know, and, there's, and every one of these pieces, of, every one of these casting situations is, is kind of funny. But to me, uh, the fact that you then I think the more critical thing to me is uh, selecting a director. And Francis Ford uh, Coppola uh, as a director is kind of a uh, an unproven talent, particularly in the directing. Yeah. Uh, at this point, he yeah. had written, uh, co-written even Patton. So he had he had a, a, a nice reputation with respect to writing. But when yeah. it comes to going behind the film, once the filming starts, that's where he quite didn't have the track record yet. And. They uh, and it was was Paramount at the point they they they, they uh, that he was their go-to guy. No, no. They tried other people who didn't want to touch it for a variety of reasons, either doing other things or felt the the topic might be a little too insensitive. So I would say they I wouldn't say they got stuck with him with Francis Ford uh, Coppola, but they clearly uh, you know was not their first choice. So uh, I think one thing that works in his favor, since he is a screenwriter, uh, writer, that he worked along with the author, uh, Puzo, in terms of putting the 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 the, the, the script together, and that's yeah. a story in itself too. The way they pull it, pull pull the thing together, separate. They both do their own separate screenplays, and then try to pull it together. And just like any other movie, scenes are being created and written as the movie's already started production. But that's yep. that's pretty pretty normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think some of the factoids that, uh, with respect to, to making it, but we've got these pieces that, and I think one of the things is just saying, well, what's so important about the novel? The novel is so popular. It's sort of like Gone with the Wind in the Day. You've got to stick pretty close to it. So Paramount's yeah. original idea was, well, we're going to spend two and a half million, which is a fair, was a medium sized yeah. budget back in the day. And, but they realized that that meant that they weren't going to be filming on location. And doing things in a very original way. There's even thoughts of trying to make this movie to really cut the budget by making it contemporary, which God, God bless. I mean, oh, that, would, that would be so. Oh, oh. So what they did is they stuck with the time period. They stuck with locations, which required them to spend about uh, 90 percent of their time in, in the New York area and about 10 percent of their time in Sicily. Wow. Did the movie correctly. And mm-hmm. um, they, they didn't cut any, and 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 Coppio turned out to be a, a pretty good selection. I mean, he also, if, if you hear him talk about it, he felt from day to day he felt that he might be re, re, uh, replaced as, as a director. Yeah. Yeah. Ilya Kazan was, I think, sort of a, a placeholder in, yeah. in, in yeah. the in the you know in, in, right there uh, waiting to come in if, if things got a little bit too too bad. But he did a great job. With, with doing it, uh, it's it's just a, it's an amazing. You look at it and it, it's really good. Now the other thing about it is 50th anniversary. 
What makes this so important? Well, this movie was so popular that the negative that was used in order to make the prints that go out was overused. <gasps> Even the second negative was not done, was, was kind of lost in the shuffle in the vaults of Paramount. So we don't have a, it's a, it's a scary thing with respect to quality of what's, what we're left with. And yeah. they did a very big re uh, restoration back in 19, 2006. And what they decided to do was let's, let's revisit it with new technology and new sources. And yeah. so now it's hit the screens. It hit the screens on Friday with, uh, just a couple of days ago. And I went and saw it. Uh, actually, they said Friday, but guess what? I got to see it Thursday. Don't ask me how that happened. Oh, wow. And, uh, I, I, and, uh, I can tell you right now, just watching it, it has all of its original splendor. Uh, it, it's the emotions, the power of the movie as you watch it, it on the, on the big screen is, is every bit as, as much as it's ever been. So, uh, I do recommend going, going out and, and seeing it. So. That's a little okay. bit about the restoration, which I think they've 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 took a, a further step up in terms of quality, and it, it really looks good. Oh, I'd love to see that in the theater again. Yeah, as it as oh. it is, uh, Mary Jane and I watched it uh, uh, Friday uh, Thursday night. It was always oh, it good. Oh, and you know what? We've seen this movie a lot, and this is an important movie for our our family, our little family, because. Uh, yes. Back in 1972, Mary Jane and I had just been just gotten married, and we were we moved to St. Louis to get jobs and earn some money. And she said, "Hey, The Godfather's playing at this theater. Uh, it was a nice semi artsy kind of theater in Clayton." And we said, "Let's let's let's go see it." I said, "Oh, okay." She said, "I said, have you already seen it?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "Oh, you want to see it again?" "Oh, yeah." So. At that time in my life, I was not really uh, a movie nut, but Mary Jane took me to see that movie, and it I did not move my head for three hours watching that movie. In fact, my neck was sore from not moving it. I was transfixed, and I was stunned to find out it was a three-hour movie. I, I mean, I was completely taken by it, and that began my love of movies. I inherited she kind of passed it on to me by introducing me to this unbelievable piece of cinema. And it really stuck with me. I read the book three times. I've watched the movie numerous times. And uh, you can't get enough of it. Now, if you're like me and you love this movie, there's a book out. And John sent it to me as a gift. It's Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, the epic story of the making of The Godfather. And wow. all the deets are in here. All the deets. It really breaks it down to a very fine level of granularity. If you are a fan of this movie and you want to understand the very unusual circumstances that John alluded to that led to the making of this movie, you want to read that book because it's got it all in there. And it's a perfect time capsule. They just completely captured the times the movie was made in. The unusual circumstances that led to it, you know, if Coppola hadn't almost gotten his fingers cut off from gambling, he wouldn't have done this, <laughs> you know. And if, if it wasn't for uh, the fact that uh, Coppola had kind of lost a lot of money for Paramount on, on this movie called FX, he wouldn't have yeah. been under pressure to do it because he didn't want to do it. He's Italian. And he didn't doesn't like having his name associated with the mafia like many Italian people. So, you know, there's all story behind it. 
you know, the the guy who played Barzini wouldn't have played Barzini if he wasn't a friend of uh, uh, somebody's mom. You know, I think it was uh, who's the other Italian director, John, the big one who did uh, did uh, uh, Wise Guys, uh, Goodfellas, rather. Oh, uh, yeah. oh gosh, you know. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. His mom was Scorsese. His mom was Scorsese. Yeah, he's yeah, the guy who, who his mom wanted wanted uh, uh, Richard Conte in the movie. So it's just all these weird sets of circumstances, and you know everybody legendary Marlon Brando. You know, and he is legendary, and he's probably one in a, uh, a generation actor. But it was his creativity and his his he's a true eccentric. And he brought that to the role, and he kept things going on the set and, and all that stuff. But what people don't realize is they think, well, Beto Corleone, he has this really f- reflective quality. You know, he's he's a deep thinker. He thinks he's problems through to the nth degree, and he's real reflective. He's not reflecting. He's looking for a cue card. Martin Bradley's looking for a cue card. Well, you know. And you should see that I, 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 I heard this story, right? You heard the story. Everybody's heard the story. But actually, about two weeks ago, uh, a picture surfaced on the Internet yeah. of a, a scene with, with Sonny and Tom Hagen and Vito Corleone. And from the, from the nipples up, it looks like a normal – looks like the shot. But from the nipples down, you see that uh, <laughs> Duval has his coat open. And, and and Marlon Brando's lines are written on a big placard underneath his coat. I mean, uh, it's listen, the craziest I'm, I'm thing. Get, yeah, it is crazy. But I, I think that quite often people see that and they say one of two things. Uh, number one, Marlon Brando uh, is lazy. He doesn't want to memorize the lines. Or number two, that he doesn't have the memory capable of memorizing lines. But really, there's another side to the story. And I'm going to take Marlon's side on this one. And he felt as a method actor that a cold read of lines was the best way to act. So uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm, 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 I know I, I didn't get paid to say that, by the way. Uh, but that's, really? that's the story I'm going with. Really? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's The Godfather. Go see it in the theaters. You'd be glad you did. Uh, get the Canoli book. It, it's good if you're, if you're into the deets. And that's that's our 50th anniversary of a wonderful family field called the film called The Godfather. Such a deal. I totally recommend it. I get it. I give it a, a thumbs up just like you have, Mr. Producer. OK. All right. So how about two groaners. Oh, uh, we have to have we have to have groaners. We couldn't live without groaners. So as a result, we have two groaners. Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder, Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. And so here we go. Here's the first one. What do you call a group of people, wandering people, that never get angry? What do you call a group of people that never get angry? Wow. You call I don't know. Nomads. Oh, that is so corny! Oh my God, that is bad. I I was hoping that I'm hoping the better the one is. Okay. Right, right, you te- you're, you're teeing so, up number two. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. What do you call two octopuses that look the same? Two octopuses that look the same? Yes. I I don't know, John. What? Identical. 
Oh, you know what? That one, that, one, that one's a little better. A little better. A little, a little better. Like a minor step up on that one, huh? Ooh. <laughs> oh well, you gotta you gotta end with a bang, and I think that's what I just did. Really. Mm-hmm.